You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. It's great to be here uh, with, with my friend Eric. We, uh, we represent uh, the Republic of Texas and Republic of California, so we're, uh, we're glad, glad to be here. Um, as Wes mentioned, I got to spend a lot of time with many of you, some of you in Israel. When was that? Two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's, uh, it's flown by these last, these last couple of weeks. But it's a great opportunity to actually be in those places where David was at or where Christ was at or in these other people that we read about in the scriptures. And as we traveled around, it was, it was a reminder to me of kind of a, a, a dual truth. The earthiness of the scriptures, literally, this piece of earth is where these things happen. And at the same time, the earthiness of the characters who are in the scriptures. I do think there's, there's sometimes kind of a divorce in our minds between the, the biblical narrative and where we are. It almost, it, it, it's so far separated from our experience that it can almost seem like it's a novel, right? You have these characters in the novel, and, and it's a great story, and it's, and it's all kinds of twists and turns in the narrative, but it can kind of seem like a story, right, from, from a long, long time ago, like you're reading the Odyssey or the Iliad or, or some other piece of, of classical literature. And yet these are real people with real flaws and real blessings and real struggles and real screw-ups at times. So what we want to do, beginning tonight with Cain and Abel, and then continuing tomorrow by looking at one of my favorite characters, Jacob, and then after him, David, and then after him, Jonah. We're going to look at each of these guys. And my goal is, first of all, for us to see them as real people. These aren't just characters in a story. These are real men, just like all of us. They have their vocations. They have their relationships. They have strengths. They have weaknesses. And all of them, in one way or another, are going to stumble and fall in a, in a just unforgettable and sometimes a violent and life-changing sort of way. And yet, with each of them, even Cain that we'll look at tonight, which each, with each of them, we're going to see how God is at work in their life to forgive, to bless, to lift up, and to continue to use in one way or another to tell us more about himself. So we're going to get to know real men and the real God and how he deals with them. And at the same time, then, we'll also be asking ourselves, you know, how does this particular person serve as a mirror of me? And how did God dealing with this person, how does this also a mirror of how God still deals, deals with me? It seems like, at least in my experience, that the Old Testament is often used as, as sort of a template for how you are to be or how you are not to be. So I grew up as a Southern Baptist. I'm a Lutheran now. I grew up as a Southern Baptist. We were in Sunday school all the time, and the Sunday school lessons were always basically the same. Here is a good, godly man. Be like him. Here is a, here's a wicked, bad, sinful man. Don't be like him. Now, of course, that's a gross caricature, as anyone who knows the scriptures realizes. But that's just kind of, that was the standard fare, week after week. And so I grew up thinking, for instance, that David was a fantastic guy. 
I knew that David was a man after God's own heart. Nobody ever told me that he murdered one of his best friends so he could take the guy's wife. That was just like, it's, it's a huge part of the biblical story about David, and yet it was, you know, just kind of tucked away. We're not going to really talk about that. We're going to talk about how he took out Goliath, and then he became king, and that's kind of where we're going to stop with him. And you could do the same thing. Whether Nobody ever told me that Abraham lied about his sister and got rich off the deal when she was taken into Pharaoh's house. Or the same with Jacob. He would go on and on and on. So one of the things that, as I've grown older and began to study the scriptures, both in college and then seminary, and then became a professor and just delved into them, basically making it my life's goal, one of the things I realized right away, and, and, and grew to appreciate, and I hope that you do too, is that there's no attempt to edit out the flaws of these characters. Which, if you stop to think about it, is shocking. That there, there is no attempt to kind of whitewash the stains away. They are presented in all of their, their stark ugliness. Now, this is, this is different than a lot of the ancient literature that we have about kind of the, the heroes of whoever it might be, Mesopotamia or Egypt or whatever have you. They're not, the people who recorded these, the lives of those individuals were not pointing out their flaws and their defeats and the ways that they sinned against their God. They were just recording victories and all these great things about them. The scriptures go, seemingly go out of their way to make sure that you realize that all of these people have clay feet. They're all, they're all not only human, but they're all sinful to the core, just like we are. And they're all loved by God and used by Him, just like we are. So there's, there's so much that we can learn from these stories. And with each of these, it's going to, to me anyway, it's going to kind of feel like we're just scratching the surface. But hopefully we can at least dig down enough to where we're able to get into the story itself and to see where we fit into the story, and most importantly, where God in Christ fits into the story and how he relates to us as those who still today mirror Cain or David or Joshua or Jonah. So I, I welcome people kind of interjecting, asking questions. So if, as I'm talking along, if you have a question or an observation or a comment, don't hesitate to jump in because I, I, I welcome the, the give and take. Or if you want to correct me, that's great. I appreciate that too. I mean, you will be wrong, but feel free, feel free to jump in at any time. <laughs> Dave's already raising his hand. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think it's you. Don't, you're talking about the situation, but at the, the midnight little rendezvous there. Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't think it's so much if you, if maybe in translation, but not in the Hebrew, because some of the metaphors that are used for like uncovering feet and oh, I understand that. yeah, 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 this is a, so, oh, yeah, well, maybe Ruth was just a very pious woman. And so there wasn't much dirt to record. Yeah, 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 we, we can talk about it some other time, but, uh, I think Naomi especially, no, because she goes after God. She basically says, God has attacked me. In fact, she uses language that's uh, pretty uh, in your face with regard to God. That he is, I'm a widow and God has gone after me. What are you supposed to do with widows and orphans? I mean, they're like the, they are the ones you are supposed to care for. And Naomi says, I'm a widow and God is going after me. He's attacking me. So I'm going to change my name to bitter 
because of the way that God has treated me. So I think in chapter 1, there's no attempt really to clean up her so much as to just bring out the honesty and the rawness of her prayer as she's dealing with her losses. Yeah. Okay, so um, if you have a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 4. That's where we're going to start tonight.